Hi everybody, my name is Peter Rushgev and you're listening to the Zoomsphere podcast. I hope this episode finds you well and safe no matter where you are in the current challenging conditions. In the next 30 minutes, we have prepared for you a conversation with Jeremiah O. Young, a startup mentor, advisor, analyst and founding partner of Kaleido Insights. Following our recent Zoomsphere Talks event, we decided to invite Jeremiah again for an individual interview this time to talk more about the current challenges that businesses and professionals face. During our conversation, we focus on how COVID-19 has changed the way businesses operate, the importance of innovation in such times, how digital transformation is taking a key role in getting industries and economies through this, as well as how to adapt to the current situation. Before we begin, I'd like to personally invite you to subscribe to the Zoomsphere podcast on your preferred podcast platform, as well as follow Zoomsphere across social media in order to stay up to date with our latest episodes. So, uh, Jeremiah, with all that in mind, uh, let's start just for the sake of introduction with a few words about yourself and your background. Thank you. I'm Jeremiah Aoyang. I'm an industry analyst and a founder of uh, Kaleido Insights, among other companies, based in Silicon Valley. And my focus is to actually have a career mission, which I've, I figured out when I was 28 years old. And it is to help companies connect to their customers using new technologies. And so all of the jobs or businesses or companies that I've worked at or created align towards that career mission. Okay, that's great. And uh, tell us more about how the COVID-19 situation that we're currently experiencing has changed your day-to-day activities and really how are you personally coping? Um, Well, first of all, I wanted to thank all of those who are on the front line, healthcare workers, government leaders, uh, safety professionals, food supply chain, everybody who's helping out. So thanks to all of you. Um, Yes, and it's a very sad time. Uh, In the midst of that, there is always an opportunity for innovation. uh, And so I am looking for that on an active basis during my job. But on a a personal note, yes, it it does impact me. My wife is on the front line helping at the hospital um, many days per week. Uh, So I am managing the the household and and the kids. And that is a a new task that usually I didn't have to do because they would go to school. Hmm. Uh, And of course, business has changed. Many of our clients have stopped or put projects on hold. They're frozen. Most of the economy is frozen. And of course, that impacts uh, my work too. But I continue to look for innovation. Uh, That Traditionally, this is where we see uh, the biggest... um, players uh, in the tech scene come out of a down market. So let's focus on the digital transformation and how online businesses are witnessing, you know, this uh, this transformation. Can you tell us a few words about, um, uh, you know, what you have seen from both small and larger companies um, in terms of um, adapting to the current conditions? Small companies are the ones that are struggling. They are just reeling from the impact. They often don't have enough money saved up or if they were a mom and pop company like on what we call main street they're a small business a retailer they are they are stuck if the if the economy went into quarantine or shelter in place around the globe mm-hmm. and and that is a, a very sad uh, situation um, of course there are innovations where many restaurants around the world are allowing small groups of people to come in and pick up food or food is being delivered even alcohol which is sometimes not legal 
We also see gymnasiums uh, shifting to online courses to offer fitness on demand. We see people shifting everything towards the digital aspect. Uh, for, for the largest companies, if they are tied to essential services, such as food or medicine, uh, telecommunications, banking, um, and even to a funny extent, toilet paper or paper products, they are staying in business and trying to serve the communities um, that they are part of. And often we're seeing they too are going through business model transformation. Nearly every auto company, uh, automobile has shifted towards trying mm -hmm. to create uh, ventilators, or we see consumer packaged goods companies, including Apple, uh, which is consumer electronics, even um, fund purchase or help create masks or other personal protection equipment to help the frontline workers in the healthcare space. Essentially, everybody's trying to figure out how can they help um, in this pandemic. And when you think about the Maslow's pyramid, you're familiar with that, I'm sure. Of course. Um, we've been kicked out from the bottom. And if you know the Maslow's pyramid, you can only go as high as the layers beneath you that bolster you up. So right now, phys physiological needs have been kicked out from underneath us. Um, people have food insecurity or housing insecurity, and some people just can't even breathe because they're sick. Um, we've gone down to the lowest level. That, And if that's not solved, you can't even get to the second layer, which is safety. So society is uh, changing. And the the metaphor that I like to think about is that imagine you had a virus on your computer and, and, and you try to remove it, but it's it's hidden in, in the deep files. You can't get rid of it. You try to delete files. You run a, a scan check. You run security check. You run virus check. It doesn't work. You rebooted your computer. It doesn't work. You only have one last resort, and that is to reformat the computer, hmm. which means to reinstall the operating system and put on a new set of applications of your choice. Of course, you're going to lose a lot of those preferences that you built up over the years to make that machine optimized for you. But right, the chances are your computer is bloated by now. So that metaphor is true now to planet Earth. We're literally going to rewrite the entire operating system and reinstall it fresh, a reformat, and we can rebuild it any way we want in a more optimized setting. So I think that's a very apt way to think about what we're going to go through. That's a great example. I think uh, it kind of puts things into perspective. Uh, so in addition to changing the way businesses operate, um, businesses also need to uh, kind of find out a new way to approach their customers, as well as maybe sometimes educate their customers when it comes to purchasing certain goods or services. Can you tell us what do you see in terms of uh, trends uh, for uh, cultural uh, trends, if you like? Um, so how do you see customers uh, adapting to the current situation. So we've all already seen quite a few businesses shift online, but what would you say, uh, is, do you think that this trend will continue even after the virus? Yes. So there's multiple phases that we're going to go through. Um, I think we're going through five different phases, and this will really indicate where the world is heading. Um, and so the first phase is uh, people are now distributed and they're going to their homes to live and work, and every single chain has been broken. The supply chain, communication chain relationship has, has been changed. And the way we get food and products has changed. We've seen that digital media has gone up um, and we've seen that um, physical experiences have gone down, just looking even at credit card purchases. The second phase is that we're all supporting the front line. And so we're trying to help the um, any of those who are on the food chain or the health chain and 
really focusing there. And so those be- two behavior sets are going to stay constant. And I think we will see that in the new economy. All right. So here we are, the third phase. This is to answer your question. Uh, the new business models will arrive in order to serve what we call the shut-in economy. Um, and that's a term that floated around San Francisco and I'm sure other cultures and cities as well. Mm-hmm where people expect all the services to come to their doorstep, whether that's cleaning services, their dry cleaning, food, rides like Uber, um, even dating with these apps, you just swipe on it. People are coming right to you. Everything is on demand. And so we'll see even the critical services now are shifting that way, such as healthcare with telehealth. Um, There's some hospitals in New York that are now using Amazon Show Mm. and you can communicate with people that are in there because you can't see them. And even nurses in the other room don't want to go into the room unless they need to because they have to put on a whole new set of PPE and mask, which will likely be trashed or recycled. Um, we could see the demand for autonomous vehicles to deliver food and people without other folks in the car. And so the whole supply chain will become digitized or even automated. So this will, of course, um, give that opportunity for um automation. Okay. So that's when we're stuck at home and that's when the quarantine has not been lifted in different countries. And I think phase four is this hybrid when we start to reintegrate and we may see um, a a mix. So we may not see people go back to the traditional cubicles in their offices. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's touchdown spaces that are sanitized every night that you could use and they're remixed in a different way. You may not have a dedicated office at work. We may see some restaurants that that just stay as what we call ghost kitchens, where they're just delivering food and you can go there and pick up food, but there's nowhere to actually sit. Right. We may see cafes where you order in de- on demand and you just pick it up on a window, or maybe they bring it to your house. So that's this hybrid. It's a mixture of that shut-in economy and the pre-COVID economy, PC. And then the fifth phase, I'll be honest with you, uh, Peter, I don't know. I, I just don't know. But I, I definitely think, and I, I think anybody who claims they, they know, they don't really know. But it's definitely going to be driven by data, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, an autonomous supply chain, autonomous workers, um, and even relationships will become digitized. And this is a wonderful thing, but also a scary thing. And as if you saw the news, there's tech companies that are now doing digital contact tracing, which we can talk about as well. But I hope Hopefully that that helps these five phases and you can align your business models around those. Uh, one of the topics which we're definitely going to discuss uh, about the contract tracing um, is something that we'll get a little bit later on in this uh, conversation. But before that, actually, I wanted to ask you, what advice would you have for businesses who have, for an example, uh, used to have, um, like you said, a restaurant, used to have a physical place where you can go and sit down and have some food. But at the moment, they have uh, switched into so-called survival mode where they only serve food on demand. And what advice would you have for such businesses in order to be able to weather out the current crisis? They have to shift to the on-demand model, whether that's partnering with delivery services or offering that themselves directly and or pickup. I think that's the way forward. It's really unclear on, I'm not a medical expert, so I'm we're not sure like when we might see a vaccine, but the experts at the federal government in the United States say at least February 2021 at the soonest. Mm. So we and many are forecasting there might be a second wave of COVID hitting us in the fall or winter of 2020. So yeah, I think this is going to last for a long time. Companies need to shift and change their business models now. And I think this is an opportunity. You could become that 
that retailer or that restaurant of choice because you're hooked into the digital systems. You already have their credit card. You're ready to give them their favorite meal or drink at the push of a single button. You can, you can actually increase your profit margins because you don't have as much retail space and you don't, you're, you don't have as much wait staff. You're just focusing on food production and that uh, final mile delivery. Um, this is a potential opportunity. There is my, uh, my wife's cousin has a sushi restaurant um, in Silicon Valley, and they're doing very well. They have uh, mm. lots of pickups and deliveries happening uh, because there's no in-dining. And so they were quick to move to that, and they offer discounts on their websites for people to sign up immediately. So I think that's a way to re-engage with digital loyalty. That's an amazing example as well. And uh, you mentioned uh, that obviously there are some businesses that do quite well in the current conditions. Let's talk about how important it is at the moment for a company to be able to communicate its success in a, in a right way, because there's obviously a lot of tragedy going on and throughout the entire world. So um, we've recently had Amazon announcing that they will, they're looking to hire new people. So mm -hmm. let's talk about the importance of, of knowing how to communicate success. Do you have any kind of suggestions to business owners who maybe are doing quite well at the moment. Yes. So Scott Monty, um, a friend of mine, uh, has a wonderful wiki that he created that show all of the companies that are leaning in with purpose. And they are offering services or discounts or donating money or time or product. I mentioned a few examples prior. And he, this list is massive. There's hundreds of companies that are communicating how they are being a helper. And I think that's step one as to how um, you can help the community as a large because when people look back, um, how did you help them rather than were you transactional trying to get money out of people? That is not the way to do things right now. <clears throat> so th that's the way to really communicate um, that success right now is to talk about how you're a helper. Uh, now is not mm. the time to do any chest beating. To brag about it. No. In fact, some of the projects that I were with with clients, um, and these are big companies that you would know, um, they've ceased their marketing projects or research projects. And so even my projects with them have been put on hold until we, we – um, uh, come up for air uh, beyond COVID to think about how we could be better rather than just um, extracting value. The goal now is to add value. Mm. And do you see the current crisis pushing businesses more towards, you know, doing charity and, and donations? Because we've seen, you know, a huge response from certain countries and industries as well. Uh, with regards to donation, you mentioned the automotive industry has uh, uh, kind of offered their help as well. So do you see weathering through this business kind of changing the business perspective in general and, and businesses being more wary of, uh, you know, the, the well-being of the community? Yes, that that's absolutely right. They are donating, they are gifting, they are helping, they are hiring. Um, even take, for example, Uber and Lyft have even tried to find other jobs for their drivers, even in competitive organizations, even sending their drivers to Amazon so they could stay employed by delivering packages rather than people. So mm. th that's really showing that you care about the community. Airbnb, I believe the revenues or bookings were slashed by 90%. They still gave refunds up to X date, um, uh, up to like recently, just to be kind to the community rather than keep that money. And so that's just showing above and beyond that they're trying to care for the customers first. And I think that is um, a, a very strong sentiment because this will end this, this is not going to last forever. If you look historically, um, going back to 2,000 years, we've been tracking these plagues. They don't last forever. We'll get through it. And those that were servicing the communities will be the ones that stand and last. 
Okay, okay, that's great. And uh, what advice would you have for an example for any CEOs or business leaders when it comes to managing the current situation? The CEO of Hilton, or I'm sorry, Marriott, did a fantastic video uh, just having a very open discussion about what it meant to the business. And it was a very naked conversation where he was just saying, this is very hard for us and for you. And here's how we're committed towards safety and uh, they said it was the worst thing they've seen and their organization has been around since the Great Depression and two world, world wars. They've never seen anything like this and they were just open about it. There was no PR bluff or BS. It was just you know a real raw conversation and this is what people want to see and hear right now. Mm, absolutely. And uh, obviously, with the current situation, um, technologies are being used. And as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, innovation is taking a rather important part in uh, really this journey and getting through this. Uh, so um, very recently, Apple and Google announced uh, maybe in the past week that they will join forces in order to develop a digital contract tracing system. So um, there have been many kind of outcomes out of it since the announcement. So let's talk a little bit more about the implications. So the pros and the cons around this announcement. Sure. Well, they're not the first. The Singapore government Ministry of Health was the first to deploy it that I have noticed, and that was a few weeks ago. And essentially, if you're not familiar with this, this isn't um, – it's not even an app. It's actually a framework or an uh, API, I believe, from Google mm -hmm. or Apple that they could connect into other apps. And then it would share basically location and BLE, um, light Bluetooth data to see who's around you, and also probably GPS location. I, I don't have the exact specs in front of me. But the point is, sure. it'll track where have you been, like digital breadcrumbs. And then also, who are you around? Like your digital Rolodex, who are you talking to? Who are you near by? And did you spend time with somebody else? And if for some horrible reason that you did or somebody in your network contracted COVID-19, um, I hope that does not happen, um, mm -hmm. but chances are it's going to happen, uh, then you can admit that signal onto the app and it would anonymously tell others that you have interacted with or were in proximity with that somebody in their network, which I believe is anonymous in the default setting, that mm -hmm. somebody was exposed and you should quarantine and or get checked uh, and also warn others. So basically, it's uh, a way to track the network movement um, to, to find out who is a vector in potentially sharing this disease. Uh, and this is a, um, a powerful innovation of using mobile smartphone technologies. And the, the opportunity is that it's opt-in, the data is anonymous, but we don't really know. We, and we don't know how far this will go. You know, this is just the first of other viruses that will emerge in future decades. Um, we, we just don't know will this set a precedent on how much information should be um, available to healthcare organizations, both public and private and or government institutions? Um, it, it's just something that raises a lot of concerns around privacy. Totally. And so now we've touched on the topic of tech companies. How do you see the technology sector emerging from this crisis? And do you believe that the influence technology will have over businesses moving forward would be significantly higher than its current state? Yeah, absolutely. The fact that Google and Apple made this announcement as private companies that are traded on NASDAQ and they're just a few miles from each other in Silicon Valley. And the fact that Amazon has released uh, Nest uh, sh uh, Alexa show into hospitals to help people communicate digitally. These are all private 
companies and they're leading the conversations versus the healthcare organizations or industries and or governments. And so that is a that in itself is a very powerful statement that it's coming from the, the private sector. And and for those that are, you know, concerned of course with you know, privacy, yes, and I am also somebody who is concerned with privacy. We as consumers of these technologies really don't do a good job. Um, we're, we're not reading the terms of service, which of course are pretty unwieldy and difficult to understand, but we're often not even checking our settings to see which apps are sharing our locations. We're not looking at this. And yes, it is complicated, but we're, we're not being careful on which apps that we put on our phones. Um, there, there's a duality to this so that the consumers themselves, we need to also keep this in check and, and vote with our clicks and vote with our uh, uh, app installs and vote with the do- our dollars so the tech companies who are leading this also can hear from us on the same side. So I think that we need to work together as a society, both healthcare and government and tech companies and us as citizens. So I think that's the bigger message that I expect us all to do together as a society. Society. And it definitely is a positive message, but don't you think that maybe society is getting too addicted to technologies and maybe do you think that this is unavoidable, unavoidable keeping in mind the economical progress associated with technology? It's unavoidable now. We are already, to quote my friend Amber Case, we are already cyborgs. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Peter, if I take your phone away from you, you'll start feeling anxious and with anxiety within 20 minutes. Absolutely. If I took your phone and gave it to a stranger, you would chase that person, right? I mean, we without that phone, we we feel naked, and, and so we are already have become like cyborgs. And this is a wonderful thing and a horrible thing. It's both. It's like fire, right? Fire can be used to cook food and warm us, but at the same time, it can be used in warfare. So we need to wield it res- responsibly. That's, fun. that's a great example. Uh, right. So uh, do you think then with uh, with everything that's happening with this whole experience, do you think that businesses will be able to prepare for similar events in the future? Or do you think that as soon as uh, COVID-19 is no longer a threat, we're going to kind of return to the same business model that we've seen before that? Remember those five phases I, I spoke about? Um, mm-hmm. This is different. This is forcing every human an organization, whether that's a business or government, to go digital because that's how we're reconnecting to each other because we can't physically, in an analog sense, even be near somebody less than two meters, right? So these digital phenomenon is forcing the adoption of digital. And I don't think that's going to go away. I think that will be a mainstay activity. Of course, yes, people can't wait to go back to the parks and the beaches and on the hikes and in the mountains. Yes, I think there'll be a major uptick of that behavior in 2021. But uh, we will see that this on-demand, instant replay Zoom meetings, this podcast that you're listening to my voice on, this will continue to become the mainstay and adoption will be driven even higher. Okay, that's amazing. So do you believe that uh, um, maybe things won't ever get back to normal as they were before that? It will not get back to normal. It's going to be rewritten in a different way. We We are not going back to the same world. 
That is a very, very strong statement as well. I like that. Uh, perfect. So, Jeremiah, as we approach towards the end of the interview, can you tell uh, our listeners, specifically those who are, um, you know, not in, in an executive position, so freelancers, marketers, advertisers, social media professionals, uh, what advice, if you could point out three things that they should be doing during this time, because there is obviously quite a lot of spare time at the moment, what are the three things that you would suggest people kind of filling their free time with at the moment so that they can come out of this whole thing more in a stronger position. Yes, I, I recommend, and I'm going to quote Jay Bear, who runs his own digital agency, and we did a, a podcast together. And he is reaching out to his contacts from even going back two years ago, even if they were prospects and that said no. And he's just going to them in, with his small agency, a boutique, at Convince and Convert, and asking folks, how can I help? And and so his he's not, we, we don't need another COVID newsletter. We have plenty I mean, just do a search for Corona or COVID in your inbox and you're going to see it overloaded. But personal messages saying, how can I help to your customers and clients or prospects? That should be phase one. And and sometimes it's just listening. And sometimes they just want to know that you asked. And I, and I did that, of course, to, to my clients. And they were like, thank you. You know, I need, I need somebody that I trust to talk to. You know, I've technically signed an NDA. They can tell me anything. I can't disclose it. So um, just... Being a good human, I think, is is step one. So thanks, Jay. That's a great tip. Um, the second one, of course, is uh, we already talked about this at length, is servicing your market and your community. And we've already given many examples. And you should take a look at that wiki that Scott Monty did called uh, Businesses and Purpose. And then third one, and I created this um, wiki on a Google Doc, and Scott uh, aided me as well, is um, upskilling in a down market. And we have a list to about 50 <clears throat> Free resources, including free software, free training, and links to potential new jobs if one is inclined or doesn't have a choice. And now is a time to upskill yourself and to get new digital or data skills uh, when you're downtime. So don't just sit by idly watching Netflix and making sourdough bread, um, which is great too, right? But at the same time, now is your opportunity to, when you go back to work, you now have data visualization skills or you have data scientist skills. There's a lot of things that you could do or you could program. Use this time to upskill. And most of those companies, the software companies and education companies are making these classes or software available for free right now. Uh, so now is the time. Jeremiah, it's been a fantastic talk. Thank you very much for your time. I've pretty much gone through all my questions and I think we had some amazing answers. Is there anything maybe that I have uh, missed on asking you about that you'd like to tell us a, a, a little bit more? Yes. And this is a heartfelt message uh, to all my friends and anybody who's listening out there. Uh, this is a hard time. This is a trying time. People have compared this to World War II. I wasn't born then. I wasn't, I wasn't around the, during the Great Depression and it's it's been a hardship for me personally and my family, and of course, even for my business. And so uh, I know I'm not alone. We're all going through this together. And for those that might even be sick or and, and struggling financially, you can overcome this. This is an opportunity to lean in and find innovation. We always see the, the, the latest innovations come in a down market, and I see opportunity. So please lean in and keep your spirits high. Jeremiah Ouyang, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this interview, make sure you subscribe to the ZoomSphere podcast on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date with our latest episodes.